Good to see you guys. Happy New Year. It's like it's a new year. We're here. First Sunday of the year. And uh, we exist to help all people build a life good relationship with Jesus. That's why we're here. People ask me all the time, why do you do what you do? Because actually Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. That song is one of my favorite songs because Jesus is the best thing. There's nothing greater than him. And Jesus said in John, or Jesus said in John 10, 10, that he came to give us a rich and satisfying life. And my experience has been that that richness is right in here. It doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. There's something on the inside that Jesus does that makes it really rich and satisfying. And we named our church Life Church 360. And it's got this, this acronym that goes with the name. It's our model of ministry. And that's to love God invest in others, faithfully serve and encourage the world. And we see that in Scripture. When you go, okay, what do you want us to do, God? What do you want us to be about? You see him, you know, say him over and over in lots of different ways. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Just love him with your life. And then he says the second command is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, so we invest in others. Jesus said that he came to serve and not be served, so we want to be like him and serve, so we serve others. And then we want to encourage people to know Christ. Uh, we do not want people to feel like they're guilty or ashamed or there's something wrong with them and, you know, that we're better than they are. We just want them to know that God loves them and that he would like to have a personal relationship with them. So we encourage them to know Jesus, and we want you to know Jesus. I hope you have a life-giving relationship with Jesus. And we're getting into a new year, and uh, as we get going in this new year, I want to help others do that as well. And we have not been on a mission trip now in almost two years, and I just can't stand that. Uh, we want to reach our community. We also want to reach beyond our community. And we are going to be able to go back to Kenya on April 1st, Lord willing. We're planning it April 1st through the 10th. And we do a camp for the kids of uh, Open Arms International, and there's a children's village there, about 150-plus kids, and we're going to be doing the middle school camp and the high school camp. We started this thing, it's about six years ago. We've done it four years, but we've missed the last couple of years because of COVID, uh, but they are so looking forward to us coming, and if you would like information about how you could be a part of this trip, come on Wednesday night. It's in my office at 6.30, and we're going to talk about the logistics of the trip, the expense, the whole thing of the trip. One of the biggest questions people are asking is, do you have to be vaccinated? And you do, and it's because that's what Kenya requires. We're not like as a church saying everybody has to get vaccinated. We're not doing that. Uh, that's between you and yourself, uh, so we're not trying to push that, but to get into Kenya, you do have to be vaccinated, so I just want you to know that, uh, but if you want more information, come to my office. We want to help people know Jesus. Uh, we are in a new series and it, this series is tagging on to the last series, which we did for Christmas, and we called it Expect the Unexpected, and we looked at this idea of Mary and Joseph saying yes to being the mother and the father of God's son. Like, that changed everything about their life, and we called it Expect the Unexpected because everything about the birth of Jesus is totally unexpected. And what's really amazing about the birth of Jesus is we also get a rebirth in Jesus. In fact, Jesus said in John 3, 3, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So when you give your life to Christ, you actually become born again. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, it says it like this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. And so this rebirth of Jesus changes everything about us. 
It changes us from the inside out, and it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And I want to talk about this idea of what do you do with the birth of Jesus in you? Because there's, there's got to be more than just the event. And, and you, if you've given your life to Christ, some of you, you're like me, you gave your life to Christ decades ago, right? I mean, like, I remember it. It was amazing. And it was this great experience. Maybe you've given your life to Christ in the last month or two. We're so glad. Maybe you're going, you know what? I don't know if I'm even ready for that yet. I want to research this thing. I want you to know at Life Church 360, you can research this as much as you want. You can ask all the questions you want to ask. God's a big God. He can answer all the questions. We'll answer all the questions we can answer for you. And if we don't know the answers, we'll find the answers. Uh, but you can belong here before you believe. And we're so glad that you're even pursuing the claims of Christ. But once you like say, okay, I am going to be this follower of Jesus, it's like, well, well what next? You know, now what? I don't know if you've experienced birth in your own personal life other than yourself, uh, but if you've ever had a child, I, I will never forget, right, Jaylee's born, she's our first, and they hand me this little bundle, and she's, I called her like the hot dog baby, she was really long and skinny, and, and I'm holding this child, and I'm so thrilled to be a dad, I'm just like, this is so amazing, and the nurse is like going, uh, can I see that baby for a minute, and she's purple, I didn't realize she was purple, uh, she didn't get enough oxygen, and so she's just totally purple, and I'm just proud dad, she's taking it, and she goes in this little tent, this little hood tent, and she had to be in this little hood tent for a couple of days, you know, and we had to go visit her, and then the Nick ICU kind of thing, and, 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 and I knew the day was coming, because we were praying, and asking God to, you know, really protect her, but I knew the day was coming, they were going to say, now you're going to take her home. Like, I did not expect that we would, like, the hospital would raise her and we'd go visit. I knew we were going to take her home. And so, sure enough, the day comes, and they say, okay, we need to go take the, the final baby picture, which is kind of cool they do this. I don't know if they did this for you, but they, they take us into this room, and they put her in this little bassinet, and they take the, the picture, which is going to be the birth certificate picture. And, you know, what do you want on the birth certificate? You know, you know Jaylee, Morgan, you know, so, and, and it's like, okay, we do the whole thing. And they say, okay, uh, now you, you take her home with you. And I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. And, and so they put, you know, Jaylee in Tina's lap. I wheel her down the hall. I wheel her into the, the elevator. And we go down the elevator. And we get to the bottom. And the door opens. And the nurse says, you can go now. And I push her through the lobby to our red little Volkswagen Passat. I put Jaylee in her little car seat. First timer, you know. And like, then put Tina in her car, you know, her front seat. And then it's like, okay, what now? I mean, if I could just summarize it, it'd be, now what? Right? What do you do with Jesus in your life? If you've had this rebirth, what do you do with Jesus? And I want to do a short series on this as we begin the new year. I thought it'd be really kind of cool to look at some things that Jesus wants to lead us to, that Jesus wants us to, to understand about him. Now, you need to understand Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace. And I think if we need anything right now, we need some peace. After the last couple of years, we could use some peace. In Zechariah, uh, who is the, the um, father of John the Baptist, he was a priest, he prophesies about Jesus in Luke chapter 1. He, he says this, Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us, look at this, to the path to peace. That he would guide us to the path to peace. Now, 
I don't know if you've ever woken up in the middle of the night. I've done this several times where you wake up and you're just like, you're just like overwhelmed with life and you pray for peace and God puts his peace on you. That's a beautiful thing. And it's like, it's a gift, right? What I've experienced though about peace is God does that, but to live, to live in peace, it's not just this, okay, here's your present, you have peace, voila, presto, you're done. It's actually a pathway. It's actually something that you, you, you work at it with him, and he shows you the pathway to peace. And so what I want to do today in talking to this message is I want to talk about this idea of how to really stay on the pathway to peace and how you can get off of the pathway to peace. And the best way I can describe this is I, I used to do a lot of mountain biking, and we would go, I would actually put together groups of guys, and we would do a mountain bike discipleship journey. And so we would train to go do a mountain bike ride with each other. And if you've never done this in our mountains, if you've never hiked in our mountains, you guys, there are incredible. They actually have like maps for all the trails that are out there. And what's so cool about them is literally you can say, okay, you're going to start here. And it's going to say, okay, you're going to, here's the directions. You take this, you know, highway one, and then you get off here and you go route two, and then you get on the fourth gravel road on the left, and you, you go up four miles, and there's the trailhead. And you get on the trailhead, and the trailhead will literally say something like, you're going to go northeast for 7.4 miles, and then it's going to Y, and you go this for eight. And you can set the computer on your bike, 7.4 miles, and it will be. At, it's unbelievable. And I would take these guys on this trip, and what we would do to begin is the very first thing we would do is I'd say, okay, we are going to ride up and over Canfield Mountain together. And you have to be able to enjoy this to be able to enjoy what we're about to do. So just so you understand, you got to train for this. Because if you don't enjoy doing this mountain trip thing, you are not going to love our ride. So you're going to have to train. It's spiritual training, physical training, right? So it was hard. It was really hard. And they would just huff and puff, and, and it was hard. To, and, but sure enough, we'd all train, and we'd get ready, and we'd go on these trips. And there would be some of the waypoints where are like going, okay, you're going to ride uphill for 27.4 miles. Yeah, and the only reason you're willing to do that is because you're going to ride downhill for 10 miles after that, right? But there would be times when you're in the middle of this 27.4-mile deal, and you're thinking to yourself, I think we took a wrong turn. You ever done that? Like, this cannot be right because we are not going to get, and you want to turn around, you want to give up. Here's what I want to tell you. The message I'm going to give you today is not the feel good, let's all set new goals, yippee, skippy, 2020, 22, let's go. It's more of a, where's the pathway to peace and how can we be on it? So I just want to, just like I'd say to the guys, you got to ride up and over Canfield Mountain and enjoy it to like this trip. Okay, so um, if, you'll, if you learn to do this, you'll actually really start to have some peace. And so I want to talk about some obstructions, some ways that you get off the pathway to peace. So number one, the pathway to peace can seem impossible during hard times. When you go through a hard time in life, uh, here's the deal. With hard times, they're either self-inflicted, we did them to ourselves, did pay stupid tax, okay, we've all done that. You go through it because of other people, you're kind of like a victim in some sense. Um, or sometimes God will even discipline you, and you'll go through some hard times. But during hard times, the pathway to peace can seem impossible because what it feels like is it's taken away from you. Like, okay, I had peace, but now it's gone. It's been taken from me. 
Well, one of, the, one of the verses of Scripture that I'll turn to a lot, and you've probably heard this when you, people go through hard times. You'll hear this one a lot at funerals, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is known as a good shepherd. I have all that I need. Oh, by the way, there won't be anything on the screens today. Uh, the person who does that was not able to get into the office this week because of the snow. And so I said, no problem. Uh, we'll just all read our Bibles. So if you have your phone, go ahead and grab your phone. You go to Psalm 23. And I'm most of the time from the NLT, the New Living Translation. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever." The Lord is my shepherd. Now, here's what's really cool. The Bible calls us the sheep of God's pasture. It's a metaphor, okay? Don't, don't get offended by it. It's just a metaphor. And the Bible says that Jesus is the good shepherd, and the sheep know his voice. A shepherd is always with the sheep. Sheep are not left alone. We're not good alone. Okay, it's not good for us to be alone. And so the shepherd will sometimes go ahead of us and call us to come to him. Uh, sometimes the shepherd will be behind us, move us along. The shepherd goes after the one that's lost. The shepherd hurt, helps the one that's hurt. The shepherd is always with us. And the pathway to peace when you're in trouble can seem like it's been taken away from you. But the shepherd's still there. So here's your choice. You can lean into the shepherd in your pain, and he will guide you and protect you and care for you, or you can run away from your pain. And most Americans, we don't do pain. We don't like it. It's, we want to get out of pain as fast as we can. We will medicate it. We will eat it. We will numb it. We'll forget it. We'll buy our way out of it. We'll do whatever we can to get out of pain. And here's the problem, guys. There's a lot of pain in life. Now, I'm not saying life is all a pain. In fact, I hope things are good right now for you. But if they haven't been, you've, you'll resonate with Philippians 4. It says, don't worry about anything. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Okay. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What I like to do is I like to think my way through all my problems, right? It's called worry. And so you worry and you worry and you think, out, how am I going to fix this? And what can I do? And what can I say? And how can I do this? And I want to control all of it. And this is saying, actually, how about if you start praying about it? Get honest with God and tell him what you need. You can wrestle with God. He is big God. You can tell him how you feel. He can handle your feelings, and you can really wrestle with God. Here's the deal. He is in control. I can worry all I want, but I don't control it. Jesus said in Matthew 6, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Look what it says here. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you 
everything you need. When we get into pain and we want to just forget our pain and run away from our pain or numb our pain, that's not always living righteously. It's getting lost in the middle of all the the, the mess and all the fog instead of really leaning into the shepherd. When life is hard, the pathway of peace can feel like driving down a highway in a total whiteout. Now, we don't do whiteouts here very much. Unless you're an avid mountaineer, you don't usually see whiteouts. But this last week, did any of you go out when the ground was covered with snow? All the trees were covered with snow. The sky was cloudy, and it was snowing. And the light was flat. That's called a whiteout. Now, if you may not have experienced a total whiteout, but a total whiteout is when you literally cannot discern any depth perception at all. So when we're snowmobiling, literally on my snowmobile, I have a pack on the back of it that has gear I can stay the night. The reason why is because I might have to stay the night. When you're in a whiteout, we have a rule. Hit the gas as fast as you can and get out of there. No, that's not what you do. Okay, that would be stupid. Okay? Because, no, no joke, you can be going, I, and I've done it, like, too many times, right? Oh, I can kind of see. And just putting along, you're just doing, like, a couple, five miles an hour, and all of a sudden, your sled drops 10 feet. Because you can't see. That's a whiteout. You cannot see. So the rule is, stop. Stop. When life becomes so much trouble... Stop. Don't get in a hurry. I know it might suck to stay the night there, but it's better than dropping off a 50-foot cliff. And for a lot of us, when we get into trouble, we wind up disheveled so badly that we think, I just got to get out of here. I got to get out of this angst, this problem, this turmoil. And what happens is we get in a much deeper hole than if we were just to stay the night there with the shepherd. How do you find your bearings in life? In his word. In his word. I see too many people ruin their life because they're in an unhappy place and life is hard and they move to a quick happy place in the middle of a whiteout. Don't crash your life. Do what's right and stay on the pathway to peace. Now with that said, I don't think that trouble is our biggest problem when it comes to the pathway to peace. Because I see a lot of people in trouble who actually turn towards God. Like, it's like, I'm in trouble, I need him, right? Maybe they make a, you know, a little bit of a blunder, but like they just, I gotta get back to God. I would say that good times can accelerate our lives off the pathway to peace. Really, our biggest trials are not the trials, it might be the triumphs. That's where our character's tested. That's where we're tested the most is in success because success can make us feel like we're invincible. Success can make us feel like, man, everything is going great. 
I can, I, everything's moving fast. I'm just going to keep on moving fast. I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. And hey, that looks good. That looks good. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And what I found is expedient financial gain erases the pathway to peace. Okay, so we're going to talk about money first. Expedient means you get it quick. If it's too good to be true, it's too good. It's too good, okay? Yeah, just don't send them your information. Don't send them any money. Don't, all right? It's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. It's not true. But even things like, hey, work is going great, and man, my boss is trying to move up, and I'm trying to move up, and and all I have to do is just one thing, and there I can get it. But when you do that one thing, maybe nobody else knows but you. And you know and God knows. And that, that lure of money, that lure of that promotion, that thing, it never brings the peace that you thought it would bring because there was something that you compromised to get to it. And then the peace isn't there. In 1 Timothy 6, it says, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not all evil, but all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, does this mean you can't have money? No. There are people that have lots of money and they're happy and they're peaceful. Why? They did it the, good, they did it the right way. But there are people who don't do it the right way and it doesn't bring what they hoped that it would bring because they had to compromise something that they didn't want to compromise in the first place. And here's what I've learned about money. It doesn't even have to be tainted. Like that would be tainted, like embezzlement or theft or cheating somebody or whatever. But it can even be our insatiable desire for more. We have an insatiable desire for more, and that erodes the pathway to peace. When I just want more stuff, I just need more stuff. I, if I had more stuff, I would be happy. And it, it can be very deceptive. And here's what we need to know. And, and you just need to know that most Americans buy their homes on credit, which makes a lot of sense, right? Like you're either going to pay rent or you're going to pay a, a mortgage. And so usually houses go up, and so it usually makes sense to go ahead and have a mortgage. I understand that, and, and that's fine. Uh, but you've got to be even careful with that. And, but most Americans don't stop there. They buy their cars on credit which is a depreciable asset, by the way. It never goes up, it goes down. And, and you pay interest on it. And then most Americans buy their toys on credit. And their vacations on credit. And their TV on credit. And their furniture. Most Americans are buying everything on credit. Some are even buying their groceries on credit now. And here's what happens. And we got to, please hear this. I mean, when we go into 2022, this you need to listen to. When the housing market skyrockets, by the way, it is, okay? Wages increase, by the way, they are. Employment hits an all-time low, by the way, it is. And the government gives out free money. 
People are very short-sighted. And they max out their credit cards. They take the loan forbearance, which then they have to pay a balloon payment on later. We're going to see a whole bunch of foreclosures on homes coming up in the next couple of years. And they max it all out, and then they go to their piggy bank, which is their house, and they refinance it to pay off their debt. Most Americans refinance their house every three to five years because of their debt. That's called moving too fast. Do you know what the number one reason for divorces in America? It's money. The same people that stood up there and went, for richer or for poorer. What we really should say is, no matter how much debt we get into, I'll still hold on to you. Really, because you guys, it's, it's, a, it's a trap. Most Americans are working overtime, 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 overtime to pay for things that they can't even use. And that robs your peace. And sometimes what we need to ask is not, can I? Because the bank will let you do it. They love it. They would love for you to be the slave the rest of your life. Is should I? Is this really worth it? Because here's the deal. It would give me great pleasure to get a brand new snowmobile. I can get one. Zero down and zero interest until the summer. But it wouldn't bring me peace. It wouldn't bring me joy. So a used one is just fine. You really want to think through the insatiable desire we have for things because they don't always bring the peace that we thought. They do bring pleasure for a short time, but they don't bring peace. There's one other area that we need to talk about that is is really actually the, the biggest culprit of robbing our peace, and it's secrecy. Secrecy darkens and blinds the pathway to peace. Secrecy darkens and blinds the pathway to peace because secrecy is darkness. That's what secrecy is. And we think that we hold our secrets so we can hold our peace, but the reality is your secrets turn on you. And nobody else might know, but you know. And when you know, even when your kids don't know, They can feel it. Your spouse can feel it. The people around you can feel it. It's really some of those powerful verses of the Bible. Verse John 1, 5 through 9 says, God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. So we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. Verse 7 says, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all wickedness. I think it's very interesting that verse 7 says that if I will be in the light as God is in the light, then I'll have fellowship with you. The word fellowship here is, in the Greek is koinonia, and it means intimate relationship. It means you know the person, deep knowing them. That, that really, our number one need is to be known and to know others. That's our number one need, to be loved. 
And I see so many people living a lonely life. And it's because of your secrets. That's why. What if you'd step into the light? This says if you do, you'll be where God is. And this says that you'll have fellowship with one another. I was a youth pastor for 18 years. And boy, teenagers are so much fun. I love working with kids, man. They're awesome. And kids are like, they, they try on new faces like, you know, they try on different clothes. It's just like, they just, they're trying to figure out who they are. And whenever we'd get a, a student in the youth group that was always lying and telling, you know, a bunch of lies, and, and the kids would all just go like, this kid is so full of it. I would tell the kid, you need to tell the truth. In fact, apologize that you've been lying and tell the truth. And whenever the kid would do it, the whole youth group would love him. Like the whole youth group, they would go, I just love that guy. He's so real. It actually endears people to you. As we move into 2022, inner peace is achieved as we walk on the pathway to peace. There's a pathway to peace. If you're going through hard stuff, don't numb it. Don't mask it. Don't feed it. Don't buy your way out of it. Just be in pain and lean into the good shepherd and walk with him. No matter what, just, I'm going to do what's right here. It's painful, but it's better than they're like falling off a cliff. Just slow it down. If you've taken an opportunity you shouldn't have taken and compromised yourself, fix it. Fix it. Maybe you're facing that now. Don't, don't do it. Don't take it. You, you, it won't bring you what you want. Be so careful with debt. Really, a new car will just bring you some pleasure. It will not make you happy and it will not give you peace and your family will not be safer in it than you are in your car right now. Just drive safe. For real. It, it just isn't, it, it's not worth the pain of it. Really, like, think through the, 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 not just can I, but should I? And if you've been in the dark, try it with your spouse. Try to just tell them the truth. Tell them everything. Say, I got I to gotta tell you everything. I got I to gotta tell you, there's something about when Tina and I, when we talk and, and the chips are down and she looks at me and she says, you're my guy and I would choose you again. I'm not going anywhere. You guys, you, you just don't get any better than that because she knows all of it. She knows the ugly parts of me. I want you to have that in your life. Live in the light. What if this year we go, you know what? This pathway to peace thing, it's not easy, but it's worth it. 
This walking with Jesus thing, it's not always the easiest thing, but boy, is it worth it. Boy, is it good. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us. I could use more peace in my life. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to walk the pathway to peace. Zechariah prophesied, you're going to show us the pathway to peace. And I just showed a few, shared a few nuggets of that this morning. I pray, Father, you would just put inside of us your peace and help us to walk it out. And in 2022, we would have more peace than we've ever had before in our lives. Be with each and every person right now as they pray that for you. In Jesus' name, amen.